is a Woodside Church podcast. Nice to see you all on this uh, sunny Sunday morning. I brought with me some rocks from the beach, and it will become clear as uh, the preach goes on. And this morning, we have the youth with us. And I want you to know that you are part of this preach, so please don't switch off. Tea time, I'll ask a few of you what uh, you picked up from uh, this preach. So it's also for you, so please don't switch off. We continue our series titled Living Strong, Teachings from First Peter. And if you've been uh, following the series um, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the book of First Peter. And this book was written by Peter to Christians who were suffering throughout the Roman Empire. So they had been scattered all around. They were being tortured and killed for their faith. And Peter himself knew persecution firsthand because he had been jailed, threatened, and had seen fellow Christians die for their faith, and some scattered for their faith. The good thing was that Peter knew Christ and nothing could shake his confidence in him. So he wrote this letter to the scattered church who were suffering for the sake of Christ. And I think for us today, there is so much we can learn from this book. So there are some truths that we can hold on to in our lives today as well, when we face times of suffering and difficulties. Raise your hand if you've had very difficult times before in your life. Looks like the kids are all right. They've never had any challenging issues before. Some of the very difficult questions that we sometimes ask. Why? I remember if you have kids, when they are small, especially, they keep asking why. You answer, then the next why comes, and then you get to a stage you can't answer anymore. There are many whys. And one of the most difficult is why do bad things happen in the world? Why? Why do bad things happen in the world? Why should people die like, you know, we are witnessing in Ukraine at the moment? Why? Should people have to suffer? Why is there so much hatred in the world? The reason, part of the reason for this is we live in a fallen world. We live in a world full of sin. And that is the very reason Jesus came. To rescue us from this fallen world. The second difficult question we sometimes ask is, why do bad things happen to me? Yes, bad things can be happening around, but why does it happen 
to me as a Christian. Because we always do the right thing. We pray, we fast, we obey God. We read the Bible, we walk faithfully with God. Why do bad things happen to us? Then we ask, what did I do wrong? Why has God allowed me to go through these hard times? Does he not care about me? Am I saved at all? I'm sure we've all asked some of these questions before, and it keeps coming in our minds. At the moment, as a family, one of my nephews, um, just two years old, he has a very severe heart condition. So we've been told he needs a heart operation quite uh, soon. Actually, it's planned for in a couple of weeks to fix things. Otherwise, it's, it's life-threatening. And you look at him, such a handsome boy, little boy, two-year-old, and you ask, why? A young person to, you know, go through those challenges. The war in Ukraine at the moment, why should this happen? It's heartbreaking to see on TV families running for cover. Children, very little children. We are just coming out of COVID, but it's been a very challenging time. I remember at the heart of it, we couldn't even go out. You were allowed 30 minutes, two hours of exercise, and that was it. And I know you guys in school, you also face your own challenges. Sometimes you are mocked, you are bullied for refusing to toe a certain line. Because you are a Christian, there are things that you don't want to do, and people make fun of you, and sometimes you ask yourself, why? I'm sure we all have our whys, and it's okay to ask those questions, but we need to be careful to guard our thoughts so that the devil does not take over, because Satan is always there, and he will try to attack So as Christians, the question is, how should we respond to very difficult situations in our lives? And the portion of the letter that we'll be reading today will help us answer some of those questions. So we read from 1 Peter 4, 12 to 19. The title of the preach today is Handling Trials. Let's read 1 Peter 12, 12 to 19. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fairy ordeal that has come to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should, be, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal. 
or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? And finally, he says in 19, so then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This morning, I'll make three points from this uh, passage. But please note verse 19 as well. As we enter into prayer, we'll go back to that verse. The first point is, do not be surprised when you face trials. Do not be surprised when you face trials. We read in 1 Peter 4.12, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fairy order that has come to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. So Peter was telling the church, going through all these difficulties, do not be surprised. It's the same message God has for you this morning. Maybe you are confused. You've wept over weeks, over days, and you don't know where to turn. The word of God to you this morning is do not be surprised. Because there is a purpose to those trials that has come your way. You see these pebbles. I don't know if you go to the beach, you see different uh, pebbles there. And if you take them up and you feel it, the smoothness is different for different pebbles. And what happens is over time, those of you in school, you know about uh, friction from your physics lessons, yeah? Hello? <laughs> friction. The youth here, who knows about friction? Yes, so friction helps those pebbles to become smoother because they slide against each other. And over time, that very rough surface becomes very smooth. Now, it's not a nice experience to wrap something rough against another, but it's a necessity if we want a very smooth rock. And it's the same thing with us. We go through difficulty so that God can refine us, mature us, and make us to be who he wants us to be. So James 1, 2 and 3 says that, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It's 
difficult, isn't it, to say I'm rejoicing when I'm facing a difficult situation. It's not the way we are, you know, as human beings, we are structured to um, react to difficult situations. But what James is saying here is that there is a purpose because we belong to God. If God has allowed that into our life, then there is a purpose in it. And then again, in 1 Peter 4.12, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fairy ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. Now, fire is a way of purifying things. The same way as we use fire to purify gold, trials is a way that God uses to purify his church and his children. Throughout history, the church of God has faced a lot of persecution and Persecution was very rampant in Acts. And when you read the book of Acts, you see that the church grew like wildfire. So trials come to test us as a community. They come to test us as individuals. The challenges that we face, even during the COVID time, has tested all of us. It has tested us as a church how we've responded to difficult situations. And I'm sure it has also tested you as an individual. So how, how do they test us, trials? First of all, they test our commitment to Christ. If we say we are followers of Christ, trials come to test us. They test our faith as well. And they test our belief in God's promises. Do we really believe God has our best at heart? Trials come to test you. Do we really believe he is in control? So in the midst of the difficulty, do you turn to God because you know he is in control? or you take things into your own hands and try to solve it. They come to test you. They also come to test us on this question, whether we are really willing to follow him no matter the costs. So when you have to pay, or when you have to lose something because of your faith, trials come to test you whether you are willing to do that. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher said, and I quote, trials teach us what we are. They dig up the soil and let us see what we are made of. That is what trials helps us to do. In Romans 5, 1 to 5, it's a very important scripture on trials and I'll read it very quickly. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we boast in the glory, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, this verse starts with the fact that we have been justified. And because of that justification as Christians, we have peace with God. You know, whenever trials come, I don't know about you, but some of the first questions that come to mind is the devil will try to ask you, are you, a real, are you really a Christian? Do you think God loves you? And do you think if God loves you, he would have allowed this difficult situation to come into your life? Romans 5, this verse is telling us that that issue is settled. You have peace with God because you have been justified. No matter the challenges that is coming into your life, the word of God says that we have peace with God. That issue is settled. So when the devil comes knocking at the door to question your status in Christ, remind him of Romans 5, verse 1. Remind him that through the death of Christ, you have been justified by faith. And irrespective of what is happening around you, you have peace with God. And the difficulty that you are going through has nothing to do with your status in Christ. But those difficulties are there to help us mature and to grow in our Christian life. So it's so important we get that truth that we are not to be surprised when trials come because it comes for a purpose and we have peace with God. The second point is to rejoice because it will end well. Rejoice because it will end well. You know, we have no control over what happens to us. Yes, God is in control. He's king of kings and lord of lords. But we, as individuals, have no control what happens in our lives day to day. We don't even know what is going to happen tomorrow. But what we know is we know who holds tomorrow. We know who holds tomorrow. We know who is in control of tomorrow. And we know our relationship with him as well. And therefore, no matter what comes our way, we know that we can go through. So when he says rejoice because it will end well, this is also difficult, I know. How do you rejoice in a challenging situation? 
You see, we are not rejoicing because of the circumstance. We are not rejoicing because of the pain, no. We are not rejoicing because of the loss that we are feeling. We are rejoicing because we have the end in sight. So it may even happen that in the current situation, we are weeping, we are sad, we are going through difficult times. But within us, we are rejoicing because we know it's going to end well. We know it's going to end well because of that relationship that we have with God, because he has things under his control. So sometimes we weep. Sometimes we we have so many questions that we ask that we don't understand. But we know that it's going to end well. In our passage, 1 Peter 4.13, it says that, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. As Christians, there's always a price ahead of us. There's always a price ahead of us. And you know, Jesus himself suffered. He was mocked, he was betrayed, he was beaten. He went through so many difficult times on this earth for our sake. And we are to participate in this suffering. And what was his attitude? How was he able to manage that situation? We look at Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that has been marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And you see what it says here. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, when you are doing something and you have a goal ahead of you, you get motivated. You are able to endure some inconveniences because you know the end goal is good. Hudson was talking about his experience last week of going to the gym. It's painful, isn't it? It's difficult going through the process. But you get the motivation from the end goal. And those of you in school, if you are preparing for exams, who loves revision doing exams? Nobody likes it. But it's necessary, isn't it? Yeah? Exam is necessary. Revision is necessary. So that you can get that job that you dream of. You can get that profession that you dream of. But it's difficult to sit down with all the distractions around. 
you know, games and, you know, the phones and all that. It's difficult, but you endure it because you have the end goal in sight. So if Jesus, who is the king of kings, endured the trials because of the joy that is set before him, he's reminding us this morning that let us rejoice because that trial that you are going through is not going to last forever. That trial you are going through is not going to last forever. And that trial you are going through because you are a child of God is going to end well. We don't know what is coming, but this is the word of God for you, that no matter what you are going through, it is going to end well. He says, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and have been called according to his purpose. If you are a child of God here, no matter the difficulties that you are going through, it's going to end well. And because of that, we rejoice based on the promises from the word of God. We rejoice because of what he has told us. We read in Romans 8, 35, and then 37 to 39, it says that who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through whom who loved us. These are verses that you speak over your challenges. These are words that you speak so that you can rejoice in your inner being when everything around you is saying you need to do the opposite. You can trust in these promises in the face of very difficulty, in, in the face of very difficult situations. And then 38 says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future or any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. This is the promise that we hold on to. And because of this, you can rejoice in the face of the difficulties that you are facing. It says in all things, we are more than conquerors. So you tell yourself, yes, I'm going through this difficulty, but because I'm a child of God, I am more than a conqueror. I will come through this victorious because I'm a child of God. Isaiah 41 verse 10, it says that, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is the promise of God. When the difficulty come, Remember this verse. So our friends in school, when you are facing difficult challenges, that sometimes you have to tell your parents, your mom and dad, the difficulties that you are facing. But even when you are 
you don't feel like telling mom and dad or people that you trust. Remember this verse. It says, do not fear. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is the promise of God. This is what we hold on to. So physically, even when we are crying, within us, we are rejoicing because we hold on to the promise of God. We hold on to these truths and nothing can shake us. The third point that I want to make is that we should not suffer for the wrong reasons. We need to be very careful not to attribute every suffering in our lives to the will of God. We read in 1 Peter 4, 15 to 16, it says that if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. So what Peter is saying here is, we are children of God, we bear the name of Christ, we are his ambassadors. And therefore, wherever we stand, people are looking at us. You see, when trials come, the way we react, the way we handle it, it becomes an example to people around. People are looking at us. You may not notice it, but people are looking at your life. And therefore, whether you are in class, you know, as a child of God, you should not go on detention for not listening in class. It doesn't glorify God, does it? A child of God should not go on detention. You set an example. If you go on detention, that has nothing to do with suffering for God. No, 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 no. It's because you were not listening. That one, we cannot attribute it to God. If you get a fine for disobeying the rules, we cannot attribute that to God because we are to obey rules and authority. 1 Corinthians 6, 15 to 19, it says that our bodies are the temple of God. Our bodies are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit resides in us. And therefore, whatever we do, we, we suffer only for the right reasons. We bear the name of Christ, and through us, we glorify his name. So in conclusion, we've talked about how to handle trials, how to handle difficulties, how to cope with those um, difficult questions that sometimes come to us. The truth is, we don't know tomorrow. We don't know what is ahead of us tomorrow. Nobody could have predicted 
you know, we're all very happy. COVID seemed to be, you know, departing us. And then all of a sudden, something happens again, and, you know, war in Ukraine. We don't know what is next. But we know who holds tomorrow. We can hold on to his promises. There are, and that is why we read the word of God. We read the word of God to encourage us in difficult times. So the youth last week, they put a lot of scriptures on our, our vehicles and we were told it's not take it, so that was good. And I kept mine. Some wonderful verses here. Because of time, I can't read all, but just snippets. It says, the Lord will protect them and save their lives. He will bless them in this land. He will not let their enemies torment them. And it continues, when they are sick in bed, the Lord will give them strength and make them well. So when somebody, you are sick and you read these verses, it encourages you. It says, God loves you and knows the plans that he has for you. A plans to prosper you and to give you a future. This is something we hold on to. It says, trust God and he will guide you and show you his love. So these verses that you wrote, if you were here and you wrote these verses, know that it's, um, I read it through the week and it has been an encouragement to me. And it's the same thing for you as well. Read the word of God, let it encourage you in difficult times. So in summary, first of all, do not be surprised when those difficult times come, remember the pebbles, friction. God is using it to mature us, to get rid of all those things that come in the way so that we will become much more like Christ. Rejoice because of God's promises. Some of the promises on the sheets, those that we've read. Rejoice and in the future glory. You know, we... From First Peter, we've read that we are just passing through this world. We are foreigners in this world. We are on our way to heaven. And in heaven, there will be no trials. There will be no sickness. There will be no bombing of Ukraine. There will be no COVID. There will be no sickness. That is our hope. That is our hope. And therefore, we can rejoice. And finally, do not suffer for wrong reasons. And so in difficult times, brothers and sisters, we should not forget of the promises of God. The God who delivered you in the past will also deliver you in the future. Cry out to God. That should be our response. Hold on to the promises of God. Block off the devil and all the things that he whispers in your mind. You have peace with God because you are justified. So we are going to cry out to God this morning. 
We read in 1 Peter 4.19, the last verse of the passage, that those who suffer should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. And that is what we are going to do. We are going to commit ourselves to God. We are going to cry out the situations that we don't understand, the difficult situations that we don't have answers to, what we can do is to cry out to God and to ask for his intervention. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.